0: Hi everyone, this is Holly Herndon.
1: I'm Matt Dryhurst.
0: And you're listening to... (laughs) If you're listening to this, you're listening to the free version. This podcast is completely ad-free and only possible through listener support. That sounds like a standard line, but it's true. It takes time and care to put this together, and without patrons, we won't be able to carve out the time to do this. So if you enjoy this podcast and would like to see it continue please visit patreon.com slash interdependence and subscribe where you'll get access to our most recent conversations as well as an archive of full-length past episodes. Thank you for listening.
2: Hey, what's going on? (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm in sunny Los Angeles, California, for a little bit,
1: so I have no complaints. Oh,
0: Oh, nice! Very jealous on that. It started snowing again in Berlin today. It was absurd. I was like, "What is happening?"
1: Yeah, it hailed. I walked. I was walking to work, and it hailed in my face. (laughs)
0: well yeah welcome to berlin it was like Boy. making
1: noise on my glasses it was
2: that aggressive was like- oh my goodness you have a much more sunny disposition than i would if it just held on
1: my face to be honest. the laughter masks pain yes. it's, just, it's just
0: desperation really um so can you do us a favor tony and can sure. you um introduce yourself to our guests uh to our listeners sorry
2: of course uh, I'm Tony. Uh, I'm the founder of Marine Snow. My career to date has really kind of been in the intersection of the business world and maybe the economic world, Holly, to, to your point, um, and the music industry, um, and specifically music tech. Um, I won't give you like my whole origin story, but those are kind of three areas of interest that I've had since a very, very young age.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I've been really enjoying learning uh, about your uh, your background a little bit. And so I was hoping we could touch on maybe some of those touch points because like some of maybe the uh, milestones, if you want to call them, because I think sure. they might help frame marine snow. So you've done some work um, for Spotify um, and SoundCloud. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: that's right.
0: Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you were doing there?
2: For sure. Um, so I worked in strategy and research at SoundCloud and my job was a few things. First, it was competitive intelligence, which uh, was an interesting time to be doing that because it was the summer that Apple Music launched um, in 2015.
1: It's a great title, by the way.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I love that. It feels so
1: clandestine.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and then, yeah, I also was To did a lot of work to, ironically, this is a little bit meta. Figure out whether SoundCloud should invest more resources in podcasts. Um, At the time, uh, it was Serial had just um, exploded into the zeitgeist. I think that was twenty fourteen, and and many music and I hate to use this word, but audio uh, companies were were uh, interested in podcasts and whether they should invest more resources. Ultimately SoundCloud didn't as much as I think they maybe would have in retrospect, but uh, yeah, so that's what I did at at SoundCloud. I also did some work around aided and unaided brand awareness to figure out just like what moved the needle and having people be aware of SoundCloud. Um, Mm -hmm. And then while I was at Spotify, I worked in strategy and ops for the music marketing team, which is kind of a team between the the artist facing uh, roles, which are artist and label marketing and the more business side uh, of Spotify. So I, I worked in strategy and ops specifically there and did a lot of work that I'm, I'm super proud of, even though we can kind of get into it. I don't think Spotify is a perfect company by any means, and I definitely see its flaws. Um, uh, I joined Spotify Hally, before. Holly and call-
1: the BTS army agree as a <laughs> I did, I
2: did see I did see I did see the, the tweets uh, you were making yesterday or two days ago, Holly. And ultimately, I agree with you by the way. Um, uh, we could talk about that. I would love to talk about that actually. I, I, I oftentimes wonder how much I talk about what I saw or see as the flaws with Spotify because I worked there, right? It, it, to a certain degree, you feel a little bit complicit um in it um i know you talked to trevor i'm sure you talked to some other ex-spotify people and, and i'm sure they that yeah mm-hmm. um, on totally. the whole totally. system um but yeah what i joined before spotify went public um and my main job was creating tools that helped track how much spotify was spending on billboards and artist marketing campaigns and also to help figure out the goals of those artist marketing campaigns should Spotify support big artists, small artists, independent artists, major label artists, uh, more Latin X artists, more country artists. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I will say is that I helped lead the process and uh, what ended up happening was not necessarily reflective of my own uh, personal (laughs) views. But yeah, that's, that's, and I also helped co-create Pollen. Um, I I take very little credit for that, but I did, Play a small role in that, um, but but yeah. Breaking Would you mind explaining
1: for people what pollen is? For sure.
2: So pollen is Spotify's first genreless playlist. So Spotify has uh, a pretty yeah. Okay, yeah Spotify has a pretty rigid playlist hierarchy. Um, although that's changing a little bit, but all playlists on Spotify fall into three buckets for the most part, which are mood-based playlists, moment-based playlists, and genre-based playlists. Um, And and Pollen was the first playlist that was intentionally designed to be none of those three things, um, and Mm -hmm. was oriented around an aesthetic philosophy and an audience more so than a genre. Um, So Pollen cuts across from indie R&B to rap, pop, and and it kind of has a specific feeling uh, at this point, and it's ironic because also I often wonder how much I should spill the tea on my time at Spotify, but 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 oh, we'll uh, get in,
1: we'll get into it. Yeah, you
2: know, uh, I we're holding back
1: I... the dogs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate. That. I mean, yeah, I can see, I can see the dogs, and they're definitely salivating.
1: But um, uh, uh,
2: yeah, I would say that. Pollen was something that was a little bit more difficult than you would expect, um, or maybe yeah, yeah. as difficult as you would expect to 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 make. Uh, it's semi ironic because Spotify is now championing Pollen pretty aggressively in in the PR world. There have been pieces about it in Billboard and Rolling Stone, whatever the case may be, but. Everyone who works on Pollen got their hands slapped for doing it, just to be super transparent about it. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because we circumvented all of these traditional systems and, and the org chart that Spotify had when it came to creating a playlist, creating identity around a playlist, um, even simple things like, uh, can a playlist have uh, a social media presence? Um, is yeah. very uh, playbook driven um mm-hmm. and so yeah it was a collaboration between playlist editors and one of my closest friends who's, who's still at spotify um designers um and myself and and we just kind of picked people from various departments at spotify to work on it and that's definitely not how things are made at spotify mm-hmm. so um, so what would you yeah. say with
0: the kind of oh sorry no
2: no uh, no, no well, go, well, ahead, we- go ahead go ahead
0: what would you say are the kind of like conflicting interests there? Like, Pollen obviously was made by music lovers within mm-hmm. the company. I mean, you can tell by just the way that it's curated. So, what was what was the kind of force that was working against that? Because it was going outside of the usual kind of three categories. But what was the um, yeah interested party that was really pushing back against that?
2: I wouldn't even say the when you work at a company like Spotify, I wouldn't even say there's like it's not even a, a personified. Tool, you know what I mean? You're right. really mm-hmm. pushing against inertia um, okay. as much yeah, as yeah. anything else. Um and you're you're pushing against uh organizational hierarchies and that you are doing things that might step on the toes of other people's jobs. Um right. uh, and that is a challenging thing uh to work with at times. But there's nobody who's ever like, no, you can't do this. It's like more like, why are you spending your time on this? This is not your job.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Which is funny, actually, because I mean, I'm certainly no expert on this, but if I if I if I get it right, I do actually think it was incredibly prescient, if only for the fact that like beyond like mood, genre. um, What was the third one? Sorry. Moment. 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 Sure. okay, pollen. So correct me if i'm wrong I, I when i think about like a pollen it's kind of like i think about it's like this assemblage of different things i'm not try, i'm not even quite sure what to call it but i think about like for example like a lot of like
0: like a swarm
1: no kind of like a, a lot of pastel colors for sure right and <laughs> sure. and also to be honest like a particular style that has come to dominate editorial or the presentation of things oh, over the past the, five years, mean the there of the is an aesthetic to it that mm-hmm. is very precious. And it's kind of interesting. Cause it's, cause as you say, it's like, I felt like there's even like watching some movies sometimes where I'm like, I, you couldn't quite call this a genre. You couldn't quite say that it's based on one particular it's mood. A patina. Yeah. It's a patina. Ooh, there, but I'm rough. wondering what, what, <laughs> I'm wondering what that is because that actually, that category that, that, if I'm not completely misrepresenting it here, <laughs> that category does appear to represent a different thing. There is a thing in the world, but I don't know what it.
0: And you think that Pollen started that? Is that what you're saying? Well, no,
1: I, mean, I don't know if it, if Pollen started that, but Pollen definitely contributes to that. Okay. It's like it's like an aesthetic versus a genre, or like yeah, feeling,
0: maybe.
2: I think that's Something. right. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that that that's right. I think it's almost a worldview. Is really the way yeah. that I would uh-huh. uh, uh, articulate it, and it's a worldview that that just reflects the times in a lot of ways and yep. that yep. the internet has democratized consumption of media and particularly music, just given how short music files are compared to let's say movies or even TV shows in a way that you can very easily bounce around um, between genres or any types of music in a way that you couldn't even 20 years ago uh, because you had to buy the CD. Right. And and the, the era of, the goth kids over here, the hip hop kids over here, the skaters over here, like the preppy kids over here is really just over um, uh, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. is reflected uh, musically. And I think Paulin really just speaks speaks to the fluidity of, of identity in the internet era where you can very easily learn about different things and become them to a certain degree.
0: I like that you use this word worldview because it, it you can tell that it's human curated. And humans have worldviews, and algorithms for don't sure. necessarily have worldviews in that kind of same for way. For sure,
2: for sure. Yeah, totally.
1: And and if and whatever that like that aesthetic or patina or <laughs> whatever we're, uh, we're we're gonna come to, it's also interesting. You say human curated on that and knowing what I know about the project you're working on, which we will eventually get to talking about, but this is a great sure. setup for it, I think. For sure,
2: definitely.
1: Something about that pollen aesthetic, which I also would associate with, again, like a, a fluidity of identity is one of the kind of ideas behind it, like a fluidity of, of kind of like practice, is that aesthetic also came to represent, in a sense, a distinction between being something that like was, you know, like music... Music with a capital M and like music that's kind of like art music or something, right? And for I sure. and I make the distinction there between like you know the way in which, for example, a Solange record might be represented as opposed to a traditional R and B record, right? For sure. Am, am I? Do you? Would you say that's a fair distinction? And I mean, 100%. of course, I'm also I'm also I'm also connecting this, of course, to the work that you did uh, that you've done with Frank Ocean, right? Because sure. Frank Ocean is also very much in my mind like a figure that. Yeah. has contributed to that. Mm-hmm. And even though you could you can identify constituent parts there, clearly for both the artists and the audience, it's a different thing. Completely uh, I, agree.
2: I, Completely agree. Yeah, it's actually something I think about a lot and it, it, it's probably one of the, the biggest driving forces in my life is, is that there is a, fundamentally a difference between art and entertainment. Um, yep. mm-hmm. uh, and they are often conflated. Uh, I have a pet peeve um where I don't necessarily love that the default in music is that everyone is called an artist. Yeah. Um because not everyone that's not their goal, right? That's not mm-hmm. everyone's goal. Um and I think there are many more entertainers than there are artists, right? Um mm-hmm. and I I think Pollen is definitely trying to capture more than anything else a philosophy that that seeks to value art a little bit more compared to other Spotify playlists that are much more mechanical and wrote, uh, in their categorizations. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with that. I think I've been searching for that. The answers to those questions, like what is the difference between art and entertainment? Right. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating, very philosophical conversation that we can inevitably have, but, but I do think it's an, a very important one in an era uh and maybe i'm just like pulling up all of my pet peeves but
1: but in an era <laughs>
2: when when we use the word creator economy to refer to i don't know somebody who makes tiktoks in the same way that we refer to somebody who uh makes music or uh is an only fans performer it doesn't really feel like those are the same thing you know mm-hmm. uh, uh and not that they're each one of those things don't have its merits and and. Not that each one of those things is not a medium through which artistic expression can be made because all of them are, but the default behaviors um, in those modes of expression are very different.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating, and I feel like that's what we should maybe focus on for this conversation because I think that's super interesting, and it's so difficult to parse and even find the language. And we can talk about how your project addresses this a little bit. But just before we get there, if we could, um, if you could let us know what what kind of work were you doing with Frank Ocean, um, and just kind of fill in the background a little bit more because. You know, we've already stated that you worked at SoundCloud and Spotify. You have this econ degree, you know, you're coming from all these different angles. So what was your experience with uh, Frank Ocean?
2: Yeah. So all I will tell you there is that Frank is a super private individual and I, I tend to not like to to, to talk that Got much it. about what goes <laughs> on in his world. Of course. Um, yeah. Just because I, I think that's the way he would want it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, Frank is a super talented, one of the most talented people on the planet, to me, and 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 I think part of his talent comes from uh, having the space and privacy to to think things through and uh, operate as he sees fit, and it kind of gets tarnished if you talk about it too too much.
1: Got That's, it. That's a fair point. You no, know, it's also true because I mean, it to go back to the kind of the artist entertainer kind of distinction. Mm-hmm. It is actually, and, and I guess this is somewhat uh, uh, commensurate with what we were discussing about pollen, but it is a really interesting distinction that's occurred, right? Is like one of my, I, I, I also have the pet peeve about everyone, either everyone being called a, a creator or everyone being called an artist, Pr- primarily for me, mostly because it makes these things just really difficult to talk about because, sure. you know, you kind of like, I've had a lot of experience, for example, you know, talking to people about like different kinds of artist economies and the language is so generic in some sense that anybody can, can hear it and be like, oh yeah, I like to make, you know, whatever, like what's the, what's the playlist called? Like piano music for hotel rooms or something or like, (laughs) or whatever, you know? And I'm like, and I'm like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but that is very different from perhaps some of the things that I grew up wanting to support and like continue to dedicate a lot of time to supporting. And so, yeah, it, in terms of like gathering people around stuff to be able to accomplish anything or do anything, it's quite difficult when you cast such a wide net. Um, and of course, and this is also an imposition that's kind of happened with the, a lot of these platforms, right. In a sense is, you know, we rail quite often on this podcast and, and, and prior, uh, about this idea of like a one size fits all where if everyone gets put in the same boat, there's kind of a core absurdity to that. Right. Because hundred percent, you know, you, you do have a mean, there is a mean somewhere there and I've no doubt that at Spotify or wherever, you know, people are largely trying to cater to that mean and that's, and that's fine. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. As long as people are, are content with it, but it is kind of funny how like, because of that kind of here comes everybody sensation of like, all of a sudden you have it, like an inundation of, of of media online, of free, cheap media online. There are some artists who, in retrospect, when you look back over the last 10 years, have maybe, you know, far from the continuous engagement that Daniel Ek likes to talk about, released a couple of records that people fall in love with, that have enduring... Uh, enduring kind of impacts Mm -hmm. that are actually in a sense kind of beyond the fact that that those individuals may use new tools or in a sense kind of about as classic an album rollout as you can imagine, right? Like releasing an album every couple of years. And those seem to be the ones that stick. And I would suggest that Frank Ocean is one of those people. You know, I, I, I tend to refer to Kendrick Lamar, who we played, we played a concert with Kendrick Lamar one time and well not strictly with him let's (laughs) be really really clear let's be be really clear he (laughs) was playing the same festival as us um
0: (laughs) we were on a much smaller yeah we we were on a much
1: smaller stage and (laughs) and and, and yeah yeah so so let's okay let's 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 clarify that but but no but but like a remarkably talented person um you know and it's striking to me how in in this time of like people, uh, you know, however many like thousands of hyperbolic takes about how the music industry has changed, everything's flipped upside down. It seems that many of the records that endure, such as a Frank Ocean record or a Kendrick Lamar record are actually, you know, released and kind of supported in much the way that kind of traditional records always were. Um, and actually the individuals involved aren't on social media all the time promoting their wares and like, you know. Uh, reaching out to people and i think uh, uh, the the ultimately the bar set by that kind of privacy and contemplation and time spent just being really 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 good at music that distinction is still there despite the fact that you know that most uh, articles or most of the narrative somehow ignores that
2: you know yeah i agree completely uh, i think in an era of digital abundance scarcity is all the more important i mean we can talk about nfts and things like that but if nothing else (laughs) nfts are uh, a thought exercise in scarcity um to me and what what it means to be scarce and what it means to be one of one um uh so yeah i I kind of fundamentally agree with you uh most artists i would encourage to be scarce um or to be present to then be scarce, if that makes sense. Because I also recognize that it's hard to be scarce sometimes at the beginning of your mm-hmm. career. And I do think, Matt, maybe to, to push back a tiny amount, I actually completely agree with you, but I would argue that um, uh, often we look at where an artist is and we forget how they got to where they are. And then what I mean by that is, you have to be relatively omnipresent before you can then be scarce. Um, gotcha. uh, you yeah, have to be known to be unknown right yeah mm-hmm. um, yep uh, uh, quite literally in the sense that to be unknown means that somebody like uh, you exist <laughs> right yeah um yeah. Uh, uh, and so yeah I do ultimately agree with you and and marine snow is very much predicated on this notion of scarcity uh, but but it is interesting sometimes you do but it's not there are ways and and media that you can leverage without oversaturating yourself um, in the world. Uh, but ultimately I think over time, most artists should be more and more scarce.
1: Yeah, that's a great point actually. And it's true. I, I've often like, in some senses, it's kind of a, a burden that I, I think has been placed on many younger artists, right? Is that, you know, we never got to, we never had to sit through like the the awkward first Aphex Twin SoundCloud demos, right? Exactly. <laughs> like like exactly. in a previous industry, because of the centralization of it, you got to have a kind of mystique, right? And and that mystique is is afforded to fewer and fewer people, in a sense, because for most, you kind of yeah, exactly. You make you have to make your name first before you before you can then recede. Right. Um, yeah. It's yeah. also right.
0: just kind of like a different. Um, impulse, I think, with younger artists. I have that with a lot of friends who are kind of budding young artists, and they, they just have this kind of impulse to immediately put everything online. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, just wait a minute. You know, they're really like eager to get their first album out or whatever, even though it might sometimes might not be fully baked. I think it's really hard for young people to know when it's ready, and they just want to throw everything out there. For yeah. sure. I agree
2: with that. Although I will tell you, there's also a balance in that I, I know the op- people with the opposite, that they can never release anything because they're too precious about it, right? There's this oh, sweet definitely. spot where 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 you have to be scarce about it, but also not precious about it, which is is tough sometimes.
0: Yeah, timing is really crucial there. For but sure. okay, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about because you've already mentioned a couple times marine snow. Can you tell us about this project? This is this is your baby.
2: This is is the collective baby. You know, I don't like to use possessive <laughs> nouns when referring to the baby. It's everyone. Okay. Baby, <laughs> you know. uh, uh, Yeah, I would just say in a lot of ways that I think Spotify is increasingly focused on entertainment. I don't think that's a radical uh, thing to say. The podcasts move, the move to being an audio company. It's very clear that there's an increasing amount of commodification that occurs between various pieces of quote-unquote content on the platform, right? Spotify doesn't yep. really care and, and it's kind of making that known. When, mm-hmm. when Daniel is saying, you always have to constantly be putting out music, it's very much like a, a assembly line or, or um, uh, yeah, I would say really just kind of gray matter in a lot yep. of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's really healthy for music in particular. I also don't think it's the most economically viable path Um, Mm -hmm. You make money in in the arts through difference and through standing out, not through everything seeming the same. Um, And and what Spotify is doing is very particular to their history and the model that they've taken. And, And for all of those reasons, I think we're in this era in music streaming where music is incredibly powerful and incredibly ubiquitous, right? Almost every person in the world has some relationship to music, yet there are only really one size fits all solutions when it comes to music streaming. If you look from a user experience perspective or from a content perspective, all of the services are the exact same, whether that's Tidal, Spotify, YouTube Music, um, Apple Music. And and the idea behind Marie Snow is essentially that they don't have to be. Um, and, And maybe to use one more metaphor is that I think Spotify in a lot of ways is like basic cable.
1: Yeah. Right. Yep. Um,
2: I think there are a few reasons why that is primarily, I would say just like basic cable, Spotify is increasingly built for a lean back consumer. Uh, mm-hmm. just like how CNN or sports center <clears throat> loop every half an hour in part, because they know you're not really paying attention. Yep. Um, yep. I, I think Spotify is increasingly built for, uh, audio files and music to soundtrack other activities in your life. Um, and yeah. for you to not really be paying attention in that way. I would also say that um, the audience segmentation is very rudimentary on Spotify, the same way that it is uh, on cable. And that if you look at the history of cable, and <clears throat> when they were creating cable channels, um, it was like, you like sports, here's ESPN, you like news, <laughs> here's CNN, you're a woman, <clears throat> Lifetime. I mean, Lifetime, for example, was literally created as Cable for Women, which is an absurd proposition, wow. or even things like BET or Univision. It's like, you're Black, this is Cable for you, but you're Hispanic, yeah. this is Cable for you. And pretty similarly, I think Spotify kind of is reductive in those categorizations that we've described in that mm-hmm. there's a fun game that I like to play, where you can take any uh, adjective and any activity and there's and if you combine them there's probably a spotify equivalent playlist and almost like mad libs like if you were to say chill songs to scrub your back to like (laughs) there is inevitably a spotify playlist that is not too dissimilar to that or or happy songs to sing along to in the car with your 6.5 year old you know, uh, those are like uh, hyperbolic, but but there are equivalents to those kinds of playlists um, on Spotify. And I, I just don't think the way that Spotify organizes music really reflects the way that people consume music, particularly the lean-in consumer yeah. of music. Mm-hmm. And so for all of those reasons, if Spotify is like basic cable, I, I think there's room for HBO in the marketplace. but mm-hmm. But an HBO that's focused as much on the community as the content um, and an HBO where where people can talk about music in the same place that they listen to.
1: There's no perfect analogy to a previous music industry, right? Like it's a little bit of like commercial radio versus college radio. It's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, also major label versus, you know, independent label circa 1985. Right. And like, and that latter part hasn't really been expressed fully. I can think of some small experiments that I think were probably a bit too early. Like something like a drip, for example. I don't know if you sure. remember Drip. I used um, I remember
2: Drip very well, yeah. Which
1: was which was, I think, an idea before its time, right? But like but but if if streaming platforms will like to probably talk about protocols a little bit, but like uh uh sure. are to be considered that basket of stuff that that is the dominant major commercial <laughs> thing, those like abstractions I, I i i hesitate to use the word indie because uh because i don't think it means anything anymore but uh uh, uh, uh h- hasn't really come to pass right yeah that's right
2: I, I i fundamentally agree with you i think the dna of of, of mm-hmm. marine snow has existed prior to streaming i think it exists mm-hmm. in like tower records versus rough trade you know mm-hmm. i think it exists <clears throat> in, in music magazines uh i think versus billboard let's say Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, I think that a lot of the DNA is, is exactly that, but really if I were to frame it, it's just, uh, Marine Snow is focused on historically, critically and or culturally important music, cool. not commercially successful or, or the top of the pops to use the British phrase. Uh, it's, it's really focused on, on that kind of music and is making decisions based on that kind of music and is not a one-size-fits-all solution. Uh, all-you-can-eat buffets are, are good, but but every once in a while you want to go to a restaurant, you yep. know? Uh, and, and I feel like uh, streaming services are very much all-you-can-eat buffet.
0: There's been so much kind of, like, um, cross between genres these days. There aren't these kind of, like, clear distinctions of, like, what is art music or what is, what is important music or what is artistic and what is commercial, like... How do you kind of draw that line and where do you, yeah, I guess, how do you distinguish between those two categories?
2: Yeah. What I will tell you fundamentally is that uh, the music on Marine Snow is, is almost by definition, not commercially. uh, I wouldn't say not commercially viable because that's not the right phrasing, but not designed for commercial mega success, you know? And I think that is really the definition of art in a lot of ways and, and we can talk about that. I think there's a part around the definition of art that it implies intentionality around your ideas and a desire to do things differently from the way that they've been done prior. Um, but there's also a part of doing something to express that idea regardless of its mass reception. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is, those are really the kinds of, of artists that we want to work with, um, that have an idea sonically and want to express that idea and if it's popular great and if it's not popular great um and and that's really the the distinction um is is people just doing interesting things and trying to push uh the map so to speak um on on what is accepted today
1: you're saying before that, that this approach uh pushes for for scarcity you mm-hmm. know you're distinct you're distinguishing um, even though, I mean, of course, the story is all this time is that people who aren't thinking about making something commercially viable in the present are setting the template for commercial viability in the future. Generally, right? Sure. Like, 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 which is one of the like insane kind of ahistorical components. I I get riled about with again this this like kind of genre kind of
0: what the definition uh, of pop even is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's
1: like. It, it, this kind of like genre maximalism or something like this, or like even thinking about genre too much, right? Like that was something, that was something most interesting artists throughout history never did. Right. Sure. Like that was something that, that people were, were often paid, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh to, 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 to debate about. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so, so, but in terms of format, like, you know, how, how, what does, what does Marine Snow end up looking like, um, on the artist side or on the audience side, like what it, what is the the proposition? Are you are you framing this as a, a streaming service? Are you framing it as a, a patronage service? Uh, you mentioned something social. I, I'm, yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious to dig further into into that idea.
2: Yeah. So so the the metaphor that I like to use, um, and the English major in me, all I do is speak in metaphor, which is good in a lot of ways, but it's also inherently <laughs> reductive in that like any good idea is not going to be perfectly mapped to another right Mm -hmm. um uh but but the the there are two metaphors or there are many but there are two that i often use the first is that marine snow in some ways is like the venice biennale Mm -hmm. of 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 music or sundance or con or or even a club let's say uh Mm -hmm. and let's say uh burghain the Two crucial ingredients in any of these things um, are the music and the people, right? Like if you went to on and there was no music, it would be a very different thing. Um, mm-hmm. And if you went what's to like, happening
0: right now, actually. They're doing art exhibitions. Interesting. It's very awkward.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like it becomes almost like a networking event in a, in a, yeah. in a weird way. Right? Oh,
1: you wear black too. Yeah. yeah exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah. But if there were no people, no one wants to go to an empty club. Right. Yeah. Like you need those two key ingredients are crucial. Uh, and I think the Venice Biennale or. Or Sundance, are the same way, and that you need this outlier, boundary pushing work, and that is in itself the basis of true community in a lot of ways, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that work, that work that's different than than other work that's been held in esteem to be important is why people go to the Venice Biennale. But they also go to be around interesting people and and go to the after parties and whatever the case may be. And, and I think Marie Snow is very much built on that principle is that a set of historical or historically or critically or culturally important work is the basis of community. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, yeah, from a, a user experience standpoint, that that's really the philosophy that guides everything we do. It's a little bit trite, but we very much would like people to discover each other through music and to discover music through each other. And and I mean that both of those things in a very deep sense, the, the discovery part of both around music and other people. I joke that I would like to one day attend a Marie Snell wedding and that two people who, who are into music, found each other through common music or different music tastes, uh, escalated their interactions on the platform in a way that eventually yielded them falling in love and they just happened to throw me an invite. Um, uh, so that's really philosophically where we're coming from, but yeah, I would, I wouldn't, I would to use like terminology to better describe it. I would say Marine snow in in some ways is like a, a video game, but the objective of the game is to discover, uh, outlier music and discover, outlier people are exceptional music and exceptional people. Um, and so, so from a user see that interface coming? perspective, <laughs> yeah, from a user interface perspective, it actually feels quite akin to gaming. It's not like all the way, it's not, it's not Fortnite, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, fundamentally I will say that one of the main things that we're pushing back, pushing back on with Spotify in addition to many others is Spotify And all other music streaming services are derivative of iTunes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, With Mm -hmm. the rows and columns of information, rows of the songs, the columns are information about those songs, playlists on the left side. I mean, it it is pretty much identical to iTunes. Yeah, iTunes was created literally 20 years ago. iTunes was invented in 2001. And there's no (laughs) real reason why those paradigms should exist today, other than for the fact that it's just pattern matching, um, which is like mm-hmm. a horrible thing that exists in tech in general. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and fundamentally what I would say is that user experience contributes to the commodification of music and um, that like, mm-hmm. who wants to read an Excel spreadsheet? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Marine from a UI UX perspective is very much designed to treat each individual song like the individual piece of artwork and art mm-hmm. that it is and have that be reflected visually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean a canvas, um, uh, uh, but that means it feeling gallery-esque. It's somewhere between a gallery and a video game.
0: Yeah, I really like how you keep using this phrase, one size fits all, because this is a, a a huge criticism I also have of streaming services and kind of streaming in general, because I think it, um this kind of like per play valuation, it, it really only remunerates a, a specific kind of music kind of background music and 100%. I was reading a yeah exactly I was reading a, a, an interview that you did I can't remember the name of the um, magazine but anyways I'm just gonna re- read a sentence that you said back to yourself if you don't mind of course. <laughs> you said you said this type of content has been designed explicitly to occupy your time as cheaply as possible on the other hand Art is work made by an individual with intentionality that's designed to express a new idea, opinion, or emotion and need systems with different value sets to thrive. And this is basically what you've just been describing as well, just kind of like nicely, succinctly um, expressed there. But I guess I'm wondering, you know, when we're talking about these different value sets and you're talking about this kind of gaming interaction, how do you, at the end of the day, um, yeah, pay musicians or what, what kind of like transfer is, is happening there that that's moving outside of this per play stream paradigm?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. what I will tell you is that um, the answer today is not necessarily the answer of tomorrow and that there's mm-hmm. still a lot of mm-hmm. experimentation and learning um, that <laughs> I want to go through. But, but the short of it is I want to pay artists upfront um, mm-hmm. in particular that it's, it. it it's very interesting why wow. I, love, I love the applause. Uh, it's, it's honestly a relief. But,
1: I was slapping but, my thighs out of excitement. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right.
2: Yeah. I mean, we can, we can have a whole conversation about that, but a per unit of consumption based model is a model that comes from advertising. Right. And, yes. and if you read, I can't remember what that book is called about, the Secret Origins of Spotify it was a Swedish book that can then God uh, yeah. the it into English. Oh, Spotify Teardown?
0: Spot yeah, Spotify
2: Teardown, down. Oh, yeah. exactly. You will find that Spotify actually did not ever really uh, imagine that they were going to be so subscription-driven and that it was really an advertising <laughs> play. Um, yeah, and they much. used subscriptions basically when, when they realized that mobile was the future and, and to get people to pay for having it on their, their phones um, because mm-hmm. the ads weren't really up. Uh, The mobile ad network wasn't necessarily up to speed at the time, uh, particularly the audio mobile ad network. Uh, And so, yeah, fundamentally, what I will say is directly linking compensation to consumption creates all of these perverse incentives, just like how you described. And I don't think it reflects the value of a work in that a work is not more valuable because more people consumed it. You know what I mean? I think that's maybe a pro- some we can a very interesting topic to talk about in the world of NFTs because that's kind of what NFTs are predicated on to a certain degree. Um, yeah. uh, uh, but fundamentally, I, I, I would say that I, it just doesn't really make sense, right? Like the just because it's, I would almost say it's like the, the if a tree falls in, a, in in the forest kind of proverb. But like if, if somebody hasn't heard a song, it doesn't make it not good. You know what I mean? Like it almost makes it better in this weird way. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, Snow is designed to be a fixed cost of content to really be econ about it model where we're paying upfront for limited windows um, mm-hmm. of exclusivity. And that's the other thing. I, okay. I, ex- I think you have to be, you have to believe that exclusivity is not bad. Um, you're smart
1: as hell. But- I didn't know any of this. And I think you're totally smart. <laughs> I honestly, no, I think this is really good. Sorry, no, please. I'm, I'm interrupting you no, from no, explaining no, 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 how good it is.
2: No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, I think it's just a win-win for everyone in a lot of yep. ways. If you pay artists up front, artists feel like A, they're getting paid, right? B, and, and we would like to pay the average artist more money than they were going to make on other services. And why that is, is because you make nothing on on other services. And in in particular, because the artists we're targeting, by definition, don't fit in into the systems uh, today, right? Like we're targeting the artists that are making boundary pushing music that is a little bit harsh to a certain degree, that's not just smooth listening that fits in 20 different playlists, you know? And because of that, we can pay artists a good amount of money that's more than they were going to make otherwise over the lifetime of a song for a 90-day license. Um, yep, yep, and so, yep. so that, that, I think, is, is a really important part. But then what's also really important is that Marine Snow is not taking a blanket license approach. Yep. Uh, and Spotify has taken this marginal cost of content model and this blanket license approach. Um, and those are two, I would say, of the core pillars of, of the Spotify's licensing model, and both of those are very liberating in the short term and very constraining in the long term. Um, yeah. And what we're doing are, is inverting that and taking um, some models that are a little bit more constraining in the short term but more liberating in the long term for everyone. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I would say the Spotify model today is predicated just on a quantity of, of content basis, right? You're paying for volume in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, right? Going to Spotify is not that much different than going to Walmart. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways. Um, Spotify's gross margin is actually the exact same as Walmart's. Um, uh, and so, yeah, we are not promising to have every song you want. But yeah. if we promise to have a set of songs that we think are important and that you should pay attention to, uh, it it forces us to be much more discerning about the music mm-hmm. on the platform, right? Yep. And I think that's good for us as a business. I think that's good for the consumer. And I think that's good for artists and that it just creates a much better set of incentives
1: i think yeah i god i want to talk about this for a long time um <laughs> it's quite interesting i mean i can see there's there's actually i think some analogy in a sense to how uh, some of the podcast economy has started working out right like in fact we even do this we are able to have a um a regular and consistent stream of patronage mm-hmm. and a communication channel between people who i'm not saying the people who end up Uh, subscribing to the Patreon care more than people who Mm -hmm. don't, because I don't want to means test such a, such a, such a judgment. However, what ends up happening is that direct relationship of patronage functionally, what it basically means is I I care enough about this one that I want to support it, but also that I want to have first access to it. And so then what ends up happening is invariably it pays for this content to be produced and Ultimately, everybody's going to get to hear it, but that exclusivity kind of quarantine or sandbox that is, that is is time-based, you mentioned 90 days, we're a bit mm-hmm. shorter, right? We, mm-hmm. it, or, or, it, or maybe it, uh, we're a tiny bit shorter. It's more like 30 days with us or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. But that system works and it works because we end up getting paid for the work that we're doing, right? The people who are paying feel like they're getting some value because they're getting uh, first access to it the fact that someone is getting first access to it entices other people to ask the question, well, should I maybe pay to get first access to it? And then ultimately it's not a scarcity model. It's just a time-based quarantine model because ultimately it pays for it to be free for everybody. It's just, it's just Mm -hmm. staggered a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know? 100%. I will tell you, no, go ahead. I didn't even cut you off. No, 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 not at all. I just, it's just, I think there's an, there's an analogy there that, that is, is, that is really inventive in the context of, of supporting music. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen that explored. And I think, I think it's smart as hell. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. What I will tell you, I, I agree with you. I think what maybe a slight difference is, and and I wanted to talk to you about it, which is, which is why I'm bringing it up now is that there is a philosophy that exclusives are not bad and that time windowing for lack of a better term is not bad because it allows you to, to, to better, convey and capture like value discrimination in a lot of ways, like, uh, yep. uh, wh- how much do you care? Um, and again, I don't want to means test either, but, but it is a rough proxy, right? Sure. Um, okay. uh, but what I would other also say is that maybe interesting in terms of the velocity of marine Snow is that bundling mm-hmm. is good. And I you, I wanted to ask you about, about it because because
0: it's almost as if you're like whispering
1: in Matt's ear. He's like
0: so excited. He I'm,
1: loves the term bundling. I'm rolling around like a cat being stroked or something. I'm just like, yes, yes. Please. Right.
2: right. Yeah, he he I'm said good, bundling,
0: I'm Oh my god. That's so
2: funny because I thought you actually might have the opposite reaction. Because no, Patreon, no, no, no. Patreon is very much predicated on, on siloing to a certain we degree. hate right?
0: Patreon. Interesting. Okay. Like that. Okay, but as a platform it sucks i'm sorry yeah okay okay. we love our patrons
2: (laughs) oh that's so funny that's That's good to know okay that's really good sorry
1: patreon bots that are going to immediately de-platform us at some point um yeah Uh, fundamentally
2: i think bundling is really good for consumers i think having 80 different subscriptions is just not the wave um uh, and being able to combine things that you like Um, under one subscription is good but it just it doesn't have to be an all-you-can-eat buffet right i think that's a really important thing there's a middle ground between the 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 patron-based model and the the quantity vast quantity all-you-can-eat bundle model like there's a famous quote where everything is every product is unbundling or 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 rebundling right and i do Uh, think there's an unbundling of spotify that can occur but it doesn't mean that it's unbundled down to the atomic unit does that make sense yeah
1: yeah,
2: exactly and then what i will also say is that's really 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 powerful and important for creators or artists right to be able to cross-pollinate audiences is still the number one way you grow yeah. your audience as an artist whether that's a feature mm-hmm. yep. or or somebody appearing in your music video or just being in the same environment where somebody can be a fan of one thing and then be exposed to you is super yep. super super important and that only really happens if if, if somebody's not paying every time they have to just dis- discover a new piece of work or or new musician or artist
1: yeah yeah so i i think bundle dyma- dynamics are really interesting like for those who don't know the the basic idea is that in actuality um if you bundle things together, media together, I mean, there was a great experiment with this called Humble Bundle in the gaming community a long yeah, time ago that was actually very successful. Yeah. Um, and people found basically that even though each individual could be charged less to receive more, in actuality, the individual cultural products, for want of a better term, earned more money. Um, and so if you think about the challenge in a sense, which I think is very much kind of like a, a kind of like stopgap period of like the Patreons and Substacks, where you kind of hit a ceiling really quickly because no one can pay for like 20 Patreon subscriptions a month. Um, Those bundle dynamics ultimately are more interdependent because you can imagine a scenario, whether it's specifically for uh, specific types of media or across media, where one could crew together interdependently with groups of people who you share a resonance with, but aren't necessarily covering the same territory. And then, so you're basically talking about seeing a bundle or a rebundling as a kind of almost like a decentralized new form of publication or institution, and and in a sense, this this speaks back to some of the things that, that I think I've 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 heard in what you're describing with with marine snow is in a sense, if one were to come at this and be like, hey guys, like call it what it is. In a way, you're talking about you know the reconstitution of a label format for the 21st century, or the reconstitution in the 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 thing I was describing, the reconstitution of a publication, but just from these atomized elements. Uh, that exists now right um yeah I think
2: that's exactly right. yeah i don't i don't I, I think in a lot of ways Marine snow is designed to solve some of those problems of, of what does it mean to be an institution in music and we could talk about centralized versus decentralized and, <laughs> and and that world my opinion is that uh binaries are are great for cognitive ease but they don't necessarily reflect reality and i do think there's um uh some amount of what i would call semi-centralization and and i think what you've seen is that even in the decentralized world there are still these actors that are super important and in some ways it's not there's still some level of of centralization right um uh, yeah uh,
1: yeah
2: so it's a trade-off
1: totally exactly right either or the
2: other is silly exactly exactly so i think we want to be somewhere in the middle and i think that's where the temporary 90-day licensing model really speaks um to what we're trying to do and that uh on day 91 you can do whatever you want with the song yeah. right it'd be like if you were signing for a label to label for one song for three months right? that's amazing uh so yeah i think and i think the idea is that you're going to get paid you're going to get paid more than you otherwise would get paid timing wise yep. you're also going to get paid much more quickly because it's direct right it's, it's yep. not yep. based on all of this <clears throat> random like byzantine math of, yeah. of, of of how you get paid. Well, like in Indonesia, it's this based like, who, mm-hmm. who cares really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I would say from, that's maybe the immediate value to an artist, but then the, the medium and long-term value is that I'm also exposing you to the most valuable audience in music or the evangelists in music, Absolutely. right? These are the people yeah. who, who are, at the big bang of, of audience growth, right? Because they're going to tell their friends, who are then going to tell their friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and right. There's a lot of marketing value to being on a platform like this, agnostic of the financial value. Um, it, and okay. I view being on Marie Snow equivalent to getting best new music in Pitchfork um, or or playing whatever prestigious show, whatever the case may be. Um, and and I think there's a lot of brand value there for an artist. And then also, in addition to these this audience being the evangelists in music, they are also the people that are much more likely to go to your show, buy your merch, mm-hmm. buy your vinyl. And totally. if 75% of your revenue still comes from those non-recorded music revenue streams, then again, you want to be in front of this audience mm-hmm. of of what we call connoisseurs, which is a little bit snooty, but it's really the only way.
1: No, totally. I mean, and you can even see a scenario where you can even see a scenario, I, I it, to use your analogy earlier of clubs. I mean, this, in my experience, was traditionally what ends up happening with like, 200 cap shows in major media centers of like london la new york where you would get you know the debutante goes to play a tiny show in order to get approval from and and of course that i mean that's the way things have always worked non-cynically like in a non-constructed way but over time what you also saw is that then because that was so valuable you saw majors desperately trying to get the young 100%. debutant. Like, oh, can we can we get them to play the seventy five capacity venue can we in sell London? Out
0: heaven in London? Yeah, a hundred
1: percent. I mean, that's like that that model. You know, you can imagine that once that uh, that model is established, you'll have a lot of people knocking on your door, being like, hey, can we give you a ninety day exclusive? You know, sure.
2: but <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Then you erode road, you erode. road the trust that the you the consumer totally totally your audience yeah. has if you do that so i don't i don't i look forward to that so i can say no you know go away <laughs> you know um but yeah I, I do agree with you uh in that and that that being said maybe that's a, a small caveat is that <laughs> i don't i'm not categorically opposed two major label artists being on sure. Marine Snow. Um, right. yep. It's just that they have to be making more interesting music than they otherwise would make, maybe. Um, and yep, I think right. there's a the powerful example that I like to use is that um, our two musicians who are actually, I don't even listen to that much, but I respect them enough, are Calvin Harris and um, YouTube 2 And why yep. I bring those two up is because both of those musicians or, or, or groups have put out music under aliases, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvin Harris had a, a, a alias called Love Regenerator, where he was making a sense, essentially like '90s UK Joey Beltram esque rave music. Um, uh, yeah, it was oh. pretty good. <laughs> uh, uh, and similarly, u two in the '80s recorded an album under the alias Passengers with Brian Eno. Um, Whoa!
0: I didn't know that either. Look yeah,
2: at all this history. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well, well, you know, those are the, sh- the two examples. Believe you me, this is not the first time that I've said this. So, uh, yeah. uh, uh, but the idea is that I'm happy to take a song from I don't know Ariana Grande if Ariana Grande is pushing the boundaries of music and pushing the boundaries of her audience, and she wants to segment her audience via platforms rather than via aliases. Right. Uh, Marine Snow is for that connoisseur, lean in, uh, consumer of music. Uh, and if you're making music for that audience, I don't see any reason why, uh, it can't be on Marine Snow. And Marine Snow is also very much about the song. And because it's very much about the song, I don't want to bring in these, these, uh, biases around just because you're a big artist or a major label artist doesn't mean you can't be making interesting music, obviously, right? So, for sure. Uh, the goal, and it will always very much be ind- independent, probably smaller artists, but it, it doesn't mean that I'm averse to uh, a bigger artist if the song makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would be just as ridiculous as the one size fits all model, right? And like, exactly. And like, I- I find that too. I mean, speaking specifically of Ariana Grande, she released one of my favorite songs last year,
2: actually. What was
1: it? Oh, what was it called? Uh, uh, well, uh, I
2: could
0: see this being really attractive to a lot of major artists. I mean, someone who pops to mind is, uh, I don't know if you say Rosalia or Rosalia.
1: Rosalia. Form, Rosalia. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because, you know, she has huge hits, but she also has these, like, just really beautiful kind of more traditional um, songs as well. That's exactly um, right. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think- I that would be like a, almost like a look that a lot of people would want to go for.
1: Exactly. Well, that's the point. I mean, it was always kind of ridiculous in a sense. I, I kind of understand, as you said before, like binaries. You meant you you put it really beautifully. Binaries life for cognitive ease. I think you said. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, which which is so true. But of course, it was always absurd, right? The idea that like the selling out kind of conundrum or something like that, where you make it really tribalist. Many of the most incredible records of all times were supported and necessarily supported by the major label. Uh, music industry and wouldn't have happened had it not been for the financial dominance and, and the sure. kind of resources of that, of that infrastructure. And I'm really glad they we did. We all you love know?
0: Fleetwood Mac.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I Michael Jackson It's like, come on. Like, yeah. You know, but yeah, so, so it, it, it's somewhat arbitrary to limit, to limit these things in those way. The difference being in a sense is also what you're describing. And it's funny, you mentioned someone like a Brian Eno, you know, what you're describing in a sense is also the distinction of like a producer, right. Where it's like, like the producer also kind of played that role um, in many cases of like, you know uh, of setting something aside as being like if you think about um connie plank mm-hmm. you know like you can go back and look at old records on major labels and if connie plank's name was involved not dissimilar to Eno, you'd be like oh no this is like a a, Special a record you know what i mean oh. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> and exactly we kind correct. of lost that t- we kind of lost that too with the dilution of the word and just the kind of cost cutting of, of yeah. what producer means in terms of putting an album together or putting a, a piece of art together you know we kind of lost that a little bit. It, of course, it still exists, but, but 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 it's lost that kind of shame.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I've always been somebody who's very interested in producers ever since a young age. I was actually arguably more interested in the producers of pop music than I was in the pop musicians. I, I grew up basically on Pharrell and, and Timbaland and being like, oh, come and, on, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. and just <clears throat> seeing how they moved from, just for lack of a better word, black music like hip hop to pop. And they still were able to keep this pretty boundary pushing Sonic palette was just fascinating. Sonic palette, sorry, was just fascinating to me. Um, and so yeah, I completely agree. I think Ma- Marine So is very much designed for for that kind of, of 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 music maker, the person who's pushing the sonics like on their own, you know.
0: Can I throw up some straw men that we can then shoot down?
2: Of course. Yes.
0: <laughs> Of course. Okay, so a lot of people are really critical of digital scarcity. Mm. Um, and so they, I, I could see there being some sort of controversy around this question of access. Yeah. So how do you address that issue?
2: Which 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 side of the access controversy? <laughs> do you think for artists, there will be a notion of, 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 of controversy? Do you think that for consumers there will be a notion of controversy. Oh, that's
0: a really good question. I was thinking from the consumer side, but actually it goes both ways. So, right. yeah, mm-hmm. maybe talk about both of those.
2: Yeah, maybe we'll start with the consumer uh, okay. side. Um, scarcity is just a way of focusing um, your gaze or your attention uh, in an era of overabundance of things, right? And like less is more is what I would say to that. You can't pay attention to everything, right? There are just not enough hours in Mm -hmm. the day. So you're implicitly making choices already about what you pay attention to. And Marine Snow is just a little bit more transparent and explicit about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's what I would say on the consumer side. On the artist side, what I would say is very similar, but that the more artists there are is the less somebody's paying attention to you in particular, right? And Mm -hmm. it's like, would you fault the Louvre for not having every single painting ever or MoMA PS1 for not having every single piece of art ever no right like uh, in, and in some ways the the minimal nature compared to everything that exists in the world is what makes it valuable right I would argue that that's a feature not yeah. a bug and 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 anyone can access marine snow right like uh, it, it's not elitist in the sense that I'm, I'm like screening you at the door before you have a yeah. subscription right if you value this thing, you can you can pay for it right and Mm -hmm. if you can't pay for it email me and maybe we'll figure out a solution if you really care like you know um Mm -hmm. but but yeah fundamentally less less is more is just what i would say in response to that and you are already making choices in your daily life that preclude certain things from entering your orbit
0: yeah it's interesting that you use a kind of comparison to public institutions like the moma or you know kind of art gallery kind of situations sure. because i feel like people have just gotten so used to music being freely available all the time it's really changed our perception of its value totally, but yet there is no kind of like i don't know central centralized mechanism that's paying for music to be created like as in um you know works for the you know works being um collected for yeah. these art institutions that's so right. it's an interesting kind of flip on that I yeah
1: think. I'm, I'm i'm pretty severe on this issue in a sense it's like <laughs> (laughs) there there is this kind of magical thinking that i think was pushed by the kind of 90s techno utopians and a lot of these ideas do actually come from like 90s techno utopians Mm -hmm. that didn't work where it's like in order to keep the dream alive that eventually at some point like complete free access to all media will somehow figure itself out we have to continually erode the ability for you know large groups of people to sequentially be able to make a living from something
2: that's like right. that's
1: very self-defeating where it's like, no, like actually, cause there's also nothing to say, for example, that the model you're describing cannot be forked and replicated by hundreds of other people who would choose someone else, you know, exactly right. you know, and exactly it's like, right. I would way rather have a scenario where as you said it's not about like screening people at the door and like <laughs> checking their DNA or something, you know. It's not it's not like a, a nightmare kind of DRM scenario that that is proposed by someone, but I would rather a scenario of, of an ecosystem of five hundred competing, you know, competing gates. I agree. Then, but that's can, an
0: interesting word that you use that because that's become that's become such a kind of hot button word. Online gatekeepers. Yeah, but it's online. not, a, yeah, like but it's, not a,
1: it's not a, it to me, as I, I agree with Tony, I think it's completely true. Gatekeeping, you your analogy there is totally correct, right? Mm-hmm. You gatekeep with your attention. Right. I mean it's like there, but, but but the the solution to one, you know, this is an old 90s dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. It's like there used to be one monolithic kind of misunderstood gatekeeper at least the public perception of that was the case whereas in in actuality it was actually far more complex but people were far more naive about how these things worked at the time because no one had access to is this all happened in magic land right and then 90s utopian is like ideas of freedom of information that came about of course that have some merit and were a really worthy experiment at the time we're like oh no everything will be fine if we just like give it give shit to everyone it'll just work itself out like clearly it didn't and i mean even looking at spotify's loud and clear campaign they released this week um you know they, they even referenced that moment of being like no we came to save the day because piracy was going to take over and and, and etc um and but it's like the solution to that isn't to, uh, what ended up happening is that you know your spotify's have become like opaque gatekeepers that have more power totally than any any label uh, uh, previously, previously had. And it's like, well, the solution to that is actually thousands of gates, like tens of thousands of gates with different permission systems that like, you know, that don't even necessarily, in some cases, need money uh, sure. to get in. Sure. You know what I mean? Like this is a generalizable concept that you're describing, but That's that, right. that scarcity of time, particularly the time locking is something that allows you to generate something special mm-hmm. to distinguish one thing from the next, That's which right. is, yeah, if you want to value stuff, you've got to create value. There's, you know, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I I'm, I'm very enthusiastic. I, no, I agree with everything you're saying. It's very disappointing. I agree with everything you're saying.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was hoping for a little bit of disagreement, so hopefully, we'll get some at some point. Well, I was right, trying right. to bring up some yeah. straw
0: man, I think that's <laughs> oh, yeah, the only yeah. one I've got.
2: <laughs> that's true. I mean, one one point I really quickly want to make is that I think what people don't necessarily think about is in a completely decentralized, no geek gatekeeper model it's actually extremely neoliberal and extremely Mm -hmm. uh, uh, free market free market. Yeah. Yeah, And what wins out in, in those worlds are things that codify prior systems of value.
1: Right. And that is
2: really dark in a lot of ways. And that, like, if you are TikTok, let's just, use a, a semi-inflammatory example what will win out are people that are really funny yeah really yeah. good at what they do really but also really polarizing and also maybe really conventionally attractive right oh, like yeah, and I'm it true. really <laughs> reinforces these ex, these existing systems we have of value and it doesn't interrogate those systems at all
1: no totally i, I mean it's it's a to disappoint you we also agree with that <laughs> no always nodding very hard no it's true i mean because you get there's a point whereby like the, the slide into like, it, it's really funny. You know, you know I'm in my thirties. Um, you can tell I'm in my thirties. Cause earlier I said Ariana Grande released one of my favorite songs last year and it was actually Selena Gomez. Um, <laughs> so I don't know the difference between Ariana Grande and Selena Gomez, but uh, Selena Gomez is, sorry. I, I, I need to look because I, I don't even remember the name. Look at Her Now it was one of the best songs of the last oh, yeah, year. I like you
0: freaking out. About hands that.
1: down, unbelievable production, like <laughs> unbelievable. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. So so I'm in my 30s and it's funny, like, uh, and I, my family's English. I, I, it's a complicated question, but like, I have like some, you know, I have some entanglements with the UK. Um, For sure, me it, too. It, it, oh, it, Really? Yeah, uh, hey. I'm,
2: I'm, I'm, my family's Caribbean. So, uh, when there when you you're leaving a, an island of 90,000 people, you tend to go to anywhere they speak
1: English where there's economic opportunities. Hell yeah. And do you know where they're based? Uh
2: in 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 in, in the UK or 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 In or, the UK, you know? yeah. Yeah, so I have family in Tottenham and in Tulse Hill um in the north Hell and yeah. south. Yeah.
1: Wow. N15. I, I used yeah, to live in Tottenham. Crazy. crazy yeah, yeah crazy Now my family's also from birmingham and like the midlands is like a huge uh caribbean, uh, caribbean area like that's right, so I, that right. I was part yeah. partly wondering if it might be the, mid, the, the yeah. Midlands. no but anyway it's, it's really funny to think and actually we we had a long really i think really interesting po- podcast with a woman called Eliane Glazer who wrote probably my favorite book of last year which is which again i can't remember the name <laughs> in Eliti-
0: defense of elitism yeah it's
1: called elitism a progressive defense Oh yeah. Um, Ooh, wow but it really touches on these issues and and, and in and in one of the uh, first off like the condescension that, that that you know like specialist stuff is somehow uh is somehow always the product of like the the, the upper classes the, yeah. the, in actuality that that was never the case in actuality most of the interesting music that that we enjoy. I mean, speaking specifically about the, about the Caribbean, like most of the, you know, most of the, like the forums that that we enjoy, that we enjoy today were incubated often by, by very working class people. Um, and they 100%. were very, and they were very kept. I mean, these yeah, are things that were incubated in, in very kind of protected environments sometimes. Right? There's there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, ahistoricity historicity to some of these, some of these newer ideas about this stuff. Anyway, I'll get to my point. So in the UK, there was an idea. Uh, this was, like 10, 15, when I lived there, like 10, 15 years ago, basically, you know, the left party, the Labour Party was, was considered to be elitists who wanted to, you know, fund, uh, funds like specialist curators to, you know, to, to to make like Tracy Emin artworks and like the right-wing media would make fun of how stupid the art world was, yeah. you know, which of course still continues. Um, and then the conservative party at the time, their whole idea was, no, what we need to do is we need to give the public vouchers. So rather than fund uh, fund art through institutions, the public knows better. Um, and at the time the progressive, and I believe still the correct uh, response to that was, hell no, like, because then what what's gonna happen is you're gonna get, you know, if, if you asked everyone in the general public and, get, and come to some consensus over what the most popular piece of art to fund will be, it will no doubt, like, kind of be, again, as you said, codifying previously successful things. And it's right, funny right. in that 15 year period how that critique has started to be framed as a conservative critique. Mm-hmm. And the idea of these kind of populist free market kind of uh, thing where everyone gets a vote on something is being framed as a progressive one. It's a complete inversion. And I believe it like, a, a completely, like, absurd uh, inversion that these things need be progressive. It's actually, I think, very, very progressive to, and of course, you can always improve on institutions, you can always, and, 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 and I'm glad that that, that work been happening, but it's like, it's very.
0: You're listening to the free version of this podcast. If you would like to hear the full version and support this series, please visit patreon.com slash interdependence. This podcast is ad-free and only possible through patron support. Thank you.